Malachi chapter 3, and today we're going to finish our series that we've been teaching from the book of Malachi, and got a great word from the Lord for you today. How many enjoyed the storm Thursday, uh, Friday night? Isn't that awesome? that just wonderful amen wasn't quite as good as Odessa got the week before but uh, rain and mud and hail and ice balls and just uh, 70 mile an hour winds and you just gotta love it come on somebody it's alright amen just gotta love it Matthew, uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 16. going to read through the end of the chapter, and you can be uh, remain seated. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. Verse 17, and they shall be mine. Somebody say, I'm his. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments from this subject. Be there. Somebody say, be there be there just be there amen um, Woody Allen said many years ago that uh, life is just 80% of showing up 80% of showing up I find that true in in all aspects of, of living life is about showing up uh, having worked with and ministered to a lot of homeless people that transit through our community. I uh, was talking with a man one day, and he uh, was a very, very educated person, and he was was talking about life and some things he had done and, and some things that he had been given. And And I asked him the question, I, I said, why did uh, why are you living the life that you're living now? And he, he responded back to me, and he said, I just checked just checked out. He said, I got tired of, of, of just going through uh, what other people expected me to, to be and, and trying to measure up to other people's expectations. And so I finally just checked out. I found that so interesting because it is possible for us to even show up and yet not show up. Have you ever been somewhere and you really weren't there? I mean, you were physically there, but you weren't really there. I want to talk to us today about just to be there. Uh, I mentioned from Psalms chapter 78, there is a story of Asaph who was in the temple. He was the chief musician for David in David's tabernacle. And the Bible said that uh, Asaph, he, in writing this dialogue, he said, My feet well nigh slipped. I began to look at other people's lives, and I began to look at how other people were living, and it seemed like other people didn't have the problems I have. Hello? Isn't it amazing when we start comparing ourselves among ourselves and we begin to look at other people and we don't think. I said we don't think. We don't know, but we don't think that they have issues like we do. If I could, you know, that's, that's to me is the funny thing about Facebook. Is, is you what you read on Facebook is is so I mean people only post the goods well some some just 
let it all be out there for everybody to enjoy. But, but most people, they just tend to post the good things. They tend to post when, when, it, when it looks like everything they do is bliss and there's never any problems. And, and wow, I'm just kind of thinking, wow, if I could just live, anybody? If I could just live that life, if I could just be in their existence. And, and so a lot of times when we look at other people, we don't think they have any issues we don't think they have any problems and yet the Bible talks about that every person is going to go through some things every person is going to endure some things but I I find the scripture so comforting when it said he that endureth or she that endureth somebody say you need to endure you're going to have to press on. You're going to have to push through. You're going to have to endure some things, but blessed is he that endureth to the end. The same shall be saved. So you're just going to have to go through some things. The Bible tells us that God sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust it, it rains on everybody it storms on everybody now I understand some storms of life are storms that we have created Ooh, I can make a monster storm <laughs> I, I'm just trying to get with you today I'm just trying to connect a little bit you ever been in a storm you created you ever been in a storm that you made And then how often we're asking God to get us out. Jonah created a major storm in his life by not being obedient to the plan of God. Had to go to a fish's belly with tangled seaweed. You talk about smelling fishy. Till it regurgitated him on the shore that he was supposed to go to in the first place. Sometimes we create the storms because we're trying to avoid places God is trying to take us. But be there. God is trying to take us somewhere, ladies and gentlemen. He's trying to do some things in our life. And so, he that endureth to the end, she that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, when you read here in the book of Malachi, we're going to take a little trip here today through the word of the Lord. When you read here, and we've talked the last couple weeks about the book of remembrance and how that God really can never forget things but yet he will not hold some things against us that ought to bring a little praise from somebody he knows who I am but he still loves me he knows where I've been but he still loves me amen and even though he knows me he has chosen to forgive me because of his grace Woo, that's good and so we talked about that and then in verse 17 it said they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts in that day now who is he talking about he is talking about people that who have made a decision to serve the Lord when when you read up further the Bible said that there was a people that said it is vain to serve the Lord in verse 14 they said it's vain to serve the Lord what we're we're doing has no consequential value what we're we're doing is not going to produce anything worthwhile it's it's vain to put your trust in the Lord and they began to tell one another what you're doing is useless have you ever had somebody tell you serving the Lord really ain't all it's cracked up to be I've had people tell me that I don't think it's, it's, it's working out the way I thought that it would work out. I, I thought God would do certain things. I thought God would, would be there in certain ways. And yet, sometimes life doesn't produce the expected results. 
And so it came down to the place where the people began to say, it is vain to serve the Lord. It, it's not profitable to serve the Lord. And so we're just going to live our lives any way that we want to live our lives. And yet there were another people that said, hey, what we're doing is right. Getting up and going to church on a Sunday is right. Praying on Monday is right. Being righteous on Tuesday is right. Choosing to act like a Christian on Wednesday is right. It's not vain to serve the Lord. You see, I've just got to pause a moment and say that I've lived for God long enough to know that serving Him is better than not. Oh, come on, somebody that, that you've been in the same place and you've, you've, you've lived for God long enough to know that living for Him is better, even knowing that the worst day serving the Lord is better than the life I used to live. Come on, somebody. Living for God is, is better than the best that I ever experienced in the world. You see, I think some people have a deluded concept that serving, for, serving God is going to produce a life with no struggle and no pain. And yet, Psalms 34 tells us, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Somebody that's had the Lord help you through something, put your hands together and give a shout of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And there were others uh, that they spake on his name and they feared the Lord and they spoke often one to another. Uh, I'd never made it if it had not been for the Lord. Are there any people like that today that you understand you would have never made it if it had not been for the Lord? And even when the psalmist said, it was good that I was afflicted. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it was good that I was afflicted because had I not been afflicted, had I not had to go through some things, I never would have known that the Lord would be there in the midst of what I was going through. See, if you're looking to Christianity just as a, 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 an easy way out and a path of least resistance, uh, you've got to understand, uh, somebody here today, uh, that living for God, you're going to still experience uh, some of the same stuff you experienced in the world, uh, but you've got Jesus now that'll be with you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. See, I find it interesting that Jesus would say in Matthew 28 and verse 21 when he would look at the disciples and he would say, Lo, I am with you always. See, I've got to first tell you today that he's a God that will be there. He's a God that's there 24-7, 365, 3, and 366, the fourth. He's a God that's with you in the storm, and He's a God that's with you in the calm. He's a God that's with you in the sickness, and He's a God that's with you in the healing. He's a God that's with you in lack, and He's a God that's with you in sufficiencies. He's a God that's with you in the darkness, and He's a God that's with you. Am I preaching to anybody today? He's a God that'll be with you in the light. He's a God in the morning, and He's a God in the evening. He said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So I got to tell you that He's a God that will be there. David said, He's been with me in the night season. He said in another place, he's with me when I walk through the valley of Baca. I've got to tell you, he's with me in the storm in Psalms 29. He's with me at the loss of a child. He's with me when I walk through sin that I shouldn't have committed. Oh God, my sin is ever before me and I can't get away from it. And yet he says, purge me with hyssop that I may be clean. Wash me 
that I may be whiter than snow. You know better than anybody what I've done, but you chose to stay with me, and you chose not to leave. See, some of you don't even understand that he was with you when you were making some idiot choices. Some of you don't understand that when you were sitting on a bar stool about to drink yourself to death, that he was sitting right next to you, and he pushed that drink. Oh, some of you ain't going to get real today, but I got to tell you that he's been with you. He was with you when you were doing some things that should have taken you out. He's been with you when you refused to change. He's been with you when you were stubborn and just acted like you were all that. I got to tell you, he was with you. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he's not going to leave you. He wants you as his child. He's walked with some of us in some pretty glim circumstances. He has been there. He's been there. And he says through Malachi, he said, I want you to know that, that because I've been there and because I have heard what you said and I've watched the way you live, that you are mine. And in that day when I make up my jewels, in that day when I bring this all together, I'm going to spare you as a man spareth his own child that is served him. In other words, I've watched you. I've kept my eye on you. I've watched how you handle difficulty. I've, I've watched when you should have walked away, but you didn't. Now, I got to pause for just a moment and tell you some of us were prodigals for a while. Some of us chased our own desires for a while. But we realized at a point in our life that truly, as the prodigal did when he sat in the pig pen, that in my father's house, there's bread and there's bread to spare. And I've wasted a few years, but I understand one thing about the father. If I decide to go back home, he's going to be there waiting for me. Now, isn't it amazing that the prodigal devised in his own mind a scheme? I, I tell you how I'm going to do it because I know the father's not going to be pleased with me. I'll just tell him I'll be a servant. I, I, I'll just work in the fields because... Working in the field and getting a little bread is better than staying in the hog pen and eating the husk. But what a revelation when he came back and the father didn't demote him. See, sometimes we're our own worst enemies. And we've conjured some things. Oh, he's forgiven me, but he'll never restore me. He's, he's forgiven me, but I'm going to have to take a lesser position. No, I got news for somebody today. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and a lot for some of us. But when he comes back to the Father's house, the Bible said that while he was a great way off, the Father began to run. Somebody help me preach for just a few moments. The Father began to run towards him. Because I can promise you, ladies and gentlemen, that he is watching and waiting and anticipating you to make a move towards him 
And when you and I begin to make a move towards him, he'll move heaven and earth to get to where we are. Because he's a God that will be there. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 tells us if you're going to have friends you got to do what? You got to be there. Wow, I snuck that one in, didn't I? See, one of the worst things the enemy can ever convince you of is to isolate yourself. To think nobody loves you. Make you think nobody cares. I can promise you at Seven Cities Church, there's a group of people here that love you. In fact, we'll love you so many ways, you're bound to like some of them. We are our brother and sister's keeper. We'll pray for you. We'll love you. We'll bear one another's burdens. Because we love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And we love our neighbor the same way. So we'll be there for you. But if you're going to have friends, you got to show yourself that nobody likes me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody knows where I'm at. When you build a wall around yourself to keep people out of your life, it's hard for us to get in your life. Ooh, that's good preaching. Well, buy my own CD. He that will have friends must show himself friendly. When we isolate ourselves and shut ourselves up in our abode and won't come out and then complain because nobody loves us Ooh, it's tight but it's right so he that will have friends must show himself friendly Ooh, I just hit a nerve Sometimes you got to come out of your prison for us to love you. See, the worst kind of prison is a prison without bars. We, we can't love you when you isolate yourself. And let me give you some other news. When you isolate yourself, you set yourself up for the enemy to pick you off. There is safety in counsel. There's safety in fellowship. There's safety by worshiping with your, your church family. There's safety with being around your church family. See, that's what made the church of Acts so powerful, is they continued in fellowship. It wasn't just a one-time-a-week thing. They were calling one another. They, they didn't have a telephone, but maybe they had the, a can with a string. I don't know. But they were checking on one another. They were continuing in fellowship. They were breaking bread. They went from house to house. They were preaching the apostles' doctrine. They were praying together. There's something powerful about when a church will begin to, I feel like preaching a little bit right now. There's something powerful about when a church begins to pray together. A church that stays together. A church that fellowships with one another. And we want to sometimes just send out a text and the way I text them. But the early church was unstoppable because they were touching one another and reaching one another and fellowshipping one, one another. And when one was weak, another one was strong. See, Ecclesiastes said, it's better that two walk together than one because if one falls, the oh, Jesus help me, Holy Ghost, one can pick the other up. See, we need to be there. Not only for one another, we need to be there for God. We need to show up for God. He's looking for some people that will be dedicated to Him. He's looking for people that will be faithful to Him. I love how this parallels with Psalms chapter 1. And it said, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression. How first of all, he it begins to walk. And, and I'm amazed that people sometimes, they're still walking, but they can find fault with everything that's going on. I don't like this. I don't like that. Become scornful. Begin to pick and begin to be critical of things that are going on. And begin to find fault with somebody and begin to judge Begin to judge one another. I feel like preaching a little bit right now. Begin to judge one another because you don't think somebody measures up to not God's standard, but your standard. See, if we could ever be baptized with the love that Jesus had for humanity, uh, that love, uh, the Bible said, love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, when you can love people unconditionally, uh, you will reach out to them in spite. See, our conditional love causes us to look at people and say, well, you don't measure up, or you're not the right color, or you don't speak the right language, or, or you're not the right economic standing, or, or this or that, and we can judge one another. But see, when you and I begin to love like he loves us, uh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you'll wrap your arms around somebody that don't look like you, act like you, vote like you, uh, sing like you, uh, play like you. Uh, you'll embrace somebody uh, that, that completely out of your environment because when you and I begin to understand uh, that he loved us with an undying love, uh, he loved us with a love that sent him to experience death uh, that was not deserved for him. Uh, am I preaching to anybody today uh, to tell you uh, that ladies and gentlemen uh, it begins with just a little seed uh, of scornfulness. Uh, nothing can please you. It's too cold. It's too loud. It's too hot. Everything's wrong. I don't like the pain. I don't like the seats. I don't like a parking space. It just begins with a little spirit of skepticism and you begin to pick and before long you don't even understand that you're not walking anymore but your progression has stopped and now you're standing in the way of sinning. You're standing in the way everything that comes out of your mouth is skewed with backbiting and envy and, and, and all kinds of spirits and you don't even understand that your attitude needs baptized with the Holy Ghost see it's like Paul would say to the Galatian church he said you did run well what did hinder you you did run well but you begin to get your eyes on people see you gotta love people with your eyes on Jesus you, you got to love people with your eyes on Jesus. He said, you ran well, but something got in the way. Something began to hinder you. And he said, you, you, you were walking. Everything was good. You were progressing. You, you, you were moving. And now that progression has stopped. And now you're standing in the way of, of sinners. You're standing with deceit all kinds of things coming out of your mouth and then he said but before long you're not even standing you're you're sitting i'm amazed at people sometimes who don't even realize that the forward momentum has stopped they think everything's still okay don't even understand that they've taken a seat he said now you're sitting in the seat of the scornful that's, that's how it all happens. See, it all happens when, well, you know, I, I'm not going to go to church today. It all happens when, well, the church don't need my finances. It all happens when, well, they won't miss me if I'm gone. See how easy. See, Solomon said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little attitudes that get in the way that begin to take you down. I propose that the majority of us here today are not going out and doing something atrocious today. That, but that's not where it starts. It starts with the little things. It starts with just a little argument that you won't finish. Let me tell you how a marriage breaks up. You won't deal with what you know you need to deal with. And it's something small at the beginning, but before long it becomes a, a mountain. And you won't deal with it. You won't talk about it. 
my wife and I getting ready to celebrate 35 years of marriage. Thank you. Thank you very much. But the reason that we're celebrating 35 years of marriage is because we decided early on that we'd never go to bed mad. We'd never carry something from the day into tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. We're going to deal with it. We're not going to wake up mad the next morning and, and pick up the argument. We're going to deal with today. The Bible said don't let the sun go down on your wrath. See, too many of you are carrying things that happened 10 years ago in your marriage or five years ago in your marriage. And see, you don't even understand it begin to unravel way back then and you wouldn't put it, you wouldn't fix it. It's like a little little pick in a garment. You just don't don't mess with it, and, and it picks further and pulls further, and before you know, it ravels a hole that's unfixable. I come to preach to somebody today. You need to be there. You need to show up. Your spouse wants you to show up and talk about it. One of the highest forms of rejection you can give is to walk away from an argument. Just walk out. Ooh, Jesus. I don't know how I got on this. It doesn't start big, ladies and gentlemen. It starts, it starts with, I'll skip my prayer today. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get it in later. And before it's over, you're laying your head on it, and then condemnation sets in. Well, I was going to read Scripture today, but oh, my Lord, it's midnight already, and it's time to go to bed. I'll, I'll get it tomorrow. And it's just, you get sidetracked, and it's not, it's not bad intentions. The, the, the road to success is, or the road to failure is paved with good intentions. But 80% is showing up. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? I've just got to show up. I just got to be there. See, your children are looking for you to be there. Your employer's looking for you to be there. And the greatest of all, God is looking for you to be there. But blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. Somebody shout, his delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the river of water. Let me tell you something. You need to stay close to the flow so your roots can go deep. My wife and I, on Friday night, the storm, and we were sitting in there, and, and uh, all the electricity was off, and our phones were going dead. So life was about to end. And of our, all of our little chargers, you know, that you keep charged up, they, they, were, they were on the blink. And so, I mean, we, our life was about to end. And if you don't have your iPad or your iPhone and Internet's not on, I mean, whew. Life's horrible. So we're sitting there. The electricity's off. Our phones are going dead. No way to charge them. And she says, hey, we can get in the truck and charge our phones. So we decided to get out and take a ride. And so we, we got out, and, and Neely River was running. And Garfield River was running. And Wadley River was running. And the intersection of Midkiff and, and Wadley was a convergence of rivers. We began to look around. Our neighbor's roof was on the front side of his house where it had been on the back side earlier. Trees were broke off. And yesterday as we drove around the city, I was amazed at how many trees were, were broke. And I made the comment to someone, I said, or they made the comment to me, he said, that's why there's no trees in, in West Texas. And I said, well, that's why tall trees are always around tall trees are always around water. A tree planted beside the river of water is able to put a root, put some roots in the ground. I looked at several trees that, that were just snapped off at, at the ground. And I, and I looked and 
they were there was like this much wood and the rest just had a perimeter where there was nothing there they didn't have what it took to survive the storm they weren't built to resist the storm and David gives us the antidote when he said you're going to have some storms but if you're a tree that's planted beside the river can I preach to somebody for just a few moments don't just plant your roots in a church house don't just plant your roots in church activity don't just plant your roots in the praise team and a message on Sunday but plant your roots in the eternal stream of God he said you'll be like a tree that's planted by the river of water you shall bring forth your fruit in its season your leaves shall not wither and whatsoever you do it it shall prosper daddies your children need to hear you pray mama your children need to hear you pray they need to hear you do something another than fighting with your spouse or talking about the latest sports scores I don't think there's wrong with either one of those. Fighting with mama or sports scores. But they need to hear something more than that. The Bible said that they talked to one another. See, that's why God said through Moses, He said, when you're sitting with your children, talk about me. God sure is good. God sure is there. He's never failed me yet. I got to tell you, he's not ever always done what I thought he ought to done. But he's always done what I've needed him to do. He didn't say he'd give me all my wants. But he said he'd supply all my need. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you today that he's looking for somebody that will be there. Somebody that will talk about him. Somebody that will say the Lord sure is good. Somebody that will say, I bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Somebody that will say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Somebody that will say the Lord is my light and my salvation. They talked about him one to another and God. God wrote a book of remembrance and he said there's coming a day there's coming a day when I'm going to put this thing all together and I'm going to collectively take everybody that talked about me and that lived for me and that showed up that was, that was there on Monday See, we don't need a lot of Christians on Sunday. We need some Christians on Monday. We need some children of God on a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday. And he said, I'm putting a group together and I'm looking for people that showed up when I needed them to show up. They didn't just show up when it was convenient or didn't show up when they had a crisis. That were there in the good times and the bad. Paul writes such a fascinating concept in the book of Philippians when he begins to say, I've, I've had some good times and I've had some bad times. Now, if anybody could talk about it, Paul could talk about it. See, Paul gives us a little resume of some things he had been through. And he said, I can talk about being shipwrecked. And I can talk about being beaten with rods 40 times save one. I can talk about the perils of prison. I can talk about the perils of shipwreck. I can talk about the perils of darkness, 
I can talk about the perils of fasting often. I can talk about the perils of, of hunger and thirst. I can talk about all these things that I've been through. And then he said, I can talk about some times that God was there for me. I could talk about the time when he, he, he was, when everybody forsook me, but God did not forsake me. I could talk about even in the midst of shipwreck, hearing the voice of the Lord say, hey, be of good cheer. How are you of good cheer when your ship's going down? And yet he says, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Paul, be of good cheer. Not one of these that's on this ship with you is, is going to be lost. You're, everybody that's on this ship, when the ship breaks apart, every, every person's going to be saved. He can talk about things of, a, of abounding. He said, I've, I've been through some times when I've had more than enough. And I've been through some times when everything that I ever desired came to pass. But then he says, and i got to tell you something. I've learned. I, I've learned. What did you learn, Paul? He said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content whether I'm abased or I'm abounding. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content when there was lack and I've learned to be content when there was surplus. I've, I've learned to be content when I was in jail and I've learned to be content when I'm out of jail. I've learned that sometimes I have a roof over my head and sometimes I don't, but I've learned through these things that whether I'm abased or abounding, that God's faithful. I've learned through some storms of my own causing and some storms that were sent by the Lord. I've learned that God's faithful. I've learned walking through some shadows of dark places. Ah! I wish I had somebody that would release your praise that's been through some things. I've learned that in the middle of sickness and in the middle of health that he's the same yesterday, today. And I've learned when I've had enough at the end of the month and when I hadn't had enough at the end of the month that God's still faithful. He said, I've learned that if God's that faithful, then the lesson that I have to learn from that is that I can be faithful also. Whew. That I'm not just going to show up when things are good and turn back when things are bad. That if God is so faithful, that if God never leaves me nor forsakes me, then I, I've made up my mind that I'm not going to leave Him don't forsake him. David said, one day in thy courts are much better than a thousand. He said, one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Lord, I have loved thy habitation. I, I, I love your presence. In, in fact, when he began to reflect upon Saul, and I close, when he began to reflect upon Saul, he watched Saul as the presence of God departed from Saul. He watched Saul as he sought out a witch to pull the spirit of Samuel from the Abias of Hades to speak to him one more time and David watched all this he watched as Saul went through a miserable existence of life because of his disobedience to God and David said if I've got one prayer if I've got one prayer here's my prayer cast me not away from your spirit you can take everything else away from me, but God, don't take your presence from me. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. If, if, if there's one thing I got to tell you, God, if, if you need to take all my positions, then take my positions. 
if you need to take everything I value, then take everything I value. But one thing I cannot live without is I can't live without your spirit. I can't live without your presence. I can live without a lot of things. I can live without a lot of luxuries that I'm enjoying now. I can live without a lot of blessings that you bless me with. But one thing, God, I cannot live without is I cannot live without your presence. So cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. I can live without a lot of things, but God, I can't live without you. I can live without the job. I'll take a job at McDonald's if I have to and flip hamburgers, but God, don't ever take your presence. Oh God, if what I'm living in is going to take my and destroy my faith, then take it away because more important in my life, God, if I have to pick up trash going down the aisle, the alleys of Midland, Texas, driving a trash truck, I'm willing to do it, but don't take your presence. Oh, God, if I have to sacrifice some things that I would like to do, it's okay. Don't take your presence from me. God, if I have to remove myself from some friends and some circles of influence, I'm willing to do it, but don't take your presence. I can't live without your presence. I can't live without your spirit. I can live without a lot of things. God, I want you to know that I'll be there. I'll be there when the lights are on. I'll be there when the lights are off. I'll be there, Lord, through every situation I've made up my mind today because I understand something so valuable that I've never really understood before. Is that God, I can't live without you. And I can't live without your presence. And I wonder as, as we stand together and the house lights come down, I thought it was so fitting that they would sing, I'm thirsty for you, I'm hungry for you. God, if I understand one thing through your word is that you will never leave me. For the finish up of Proverbs 18 and verse 24 is that we have a friend who will stick closer than a brother. God will be there. The question that we need to address in our own mind right now as heads are bowed and eyes are closed just for a few moments as we, we stand here. The question that we need to ask is could God count God count on me? Am I just a fair weather Christian? Am I just, as we begin the book of Malachi, a people that just serve God out of convenience, serve God as what can you do for me? It's not what I can do for you. But as we stand here today and the Holy Spirit brings conviction, can God count on you? Can God count on me? Somebody watching live stream right now, can God count on you? Or are you just a fair weather Christian that shows up when it's convenient. Are you a full-time dad? Or are you a full-time mom? Or are you just a convenient mom, convenient dad? Are you completely dedicated? Are you completely consecrated? God, I'll be there. 